Glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. So today at this service, we began our worship service with the rite of candle mass. Although this may not be a new spiritual practice, or this may be a new spiritual practice for our church, and I, in fact, uh, I've asked the, well, the ancient ones in our church, <laughs> George, we haven't had it for over 60 years. It is a new tradition for us, but it is not a new tradition in the Christian church. Candlemas, also known as the Feast of the Presentation of Jesus Christ, the Feast of the Purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary, or the Feast of the Holy Encounter, is among the holiest of feast days, days of celebration in the Christian church and in the Christian challenger. It's also one of the oldest as well, dating back to the 4th century AD in Jerusalem. It commemorates the presentation of Jesus at the temple in Jerusalem. And it is based upon the account of that presentation found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. I commend that to your reading when you get home. For Jews like Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, after a pregnancy and the birth of a child, under Leviticus chapter 12, a woman was to be purified by presenting a lamb as a burnt offering and a young, and a young pigeon or a dove as a sin offering. It is at this time that a male Jewish child is to be presented to God in the temple. Candlemas falls on the 2nd of February, 40 days after Christmas. 40 days after what the Western Church celebrates to be the birth of Jesus. On Candlemas, many Christians, especially Roman Catholics and mainline Protestants such as the Lutherans, the Episcopalians or Anglicans like us, and Methodists take their candles to their local church where they are blessed and then used for the rest of the year. For Christians, these blessed candles serve as a symbol of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Luke chapter 2 gives us an account of the meeting between Mark, Joseph, Jesus, and two wonderful saints of our faith, Simeon and the prophetess Anna, both of whom were people of prayer advanced in age who longed to see the Messiah before they passed away. And they did, blessing the child and acknowledging the child's legacy of light. Our choir sang the song of Simeon this morning, a haunting chant that describes the joy and peace that Simeon felt as he gazed on the infant Jesus, a child of light that would usher in a transformation in the world, bringing light into a dark world. In lighting our own blessed candles, some from home and those from the church, we are reminded of our faith in Jesus and in following his way of life. For we too are called to be children of light in the world. 
In the Gospel of Matthew this morning, Jesus tells us, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. To truly understand this teaching, we need to understand where it came from. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus had just finished giving his followers the Sermon on the Mount, teaching his followers the Beatitudes. In the Gospel of Matthew, we learn in chapter 5 that Jesus had crowds of people following him. Some of them were interested in just being fed. Others were interested in only being healed. And still others came to him because the other people were drawn to him. And still others were drawn to his message and his light. That light gave them nurture and strength to handle the dark challenges of their life. But to those who are called to be disciples of Jesus, Jesus calls them further up the mountain, climbing that mountain floor of closer and closer to him to learn more about God and God's kingdom. And he taught these disciples that in the kingdom of God, the poor in spirit, the mourners, the meek, the pure of heart, the peacemakers are those who are close to God. And then in verses 10 through 12, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. In the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, he was telling them that if they wanted to be a disciple of Jesus, they were to understand that it was not only a choice, but at times a difficult choice. Because the life that they would lead, a life of faith modeled on love, is going to be difficult in a dark world. The Beatitudes reminded the followers of Jesus that they had a distinct identity and a mission as Jesus' followers. They are called to be salt of the earth, the light of the world. In a world filled with violence, cruelty, and hate, Jesus proclaimed a way to change the world through the light of God, a light that called us to love and kindness, a light that called us to engage in a path of compassion and understanding. And for those who had faith in him, for those who were committed to follow Jesus and his model of living, they became a community of light bearers, of hope bearers in the world. Because the good news, my friends, is this, on this morning, that God gives us, gives us, you and me, to the world to be people of light to help transform it. But here's the human condition 
Here's our condition. We don't believe it. We don't believe it. I'm sure that some of his followers didn't believe him. As Jesus said to, to, to them 2,000 years ago, you are the light of the world. Can you imagine it? Here was a motley crew of farmers and fishermen, tax collectors and housewives and Pharisees, ex-religious folks, and then also people who were formerly prostitutes and, and so forth. And he was speaking to them in a tiny and remote village in an obscure part of the world, and Jesus was saying to them, you, you, wherever you came, have come from, you are the light of the world. It must have sounded absurd at the time, even to them. Only Jesus could have seen that through this motley crew, God would indeed change the world forever. At that time, however, it was probably sounded like idle chatter, chatter. You are the light of the world, he said. And so they were. I pray that you see on this morning that Jesus shows us how to be children of the light in the world. We can reflect the light and love that pulled us out of darkness into God's light. You see, the followers of Jesus are like to be, are to be lamps on a lampstand. They are to let their light shine so that people may see their good deeds and give praise to God. Note that the light does not originate with the believers. They are to let it shine. The light is seen in the good things they do in the way they handle conversations, in the way they interact with people. It is less a message directed to the intellect than a way of life lived out before others. When outsiders see the, the followers of Christ leading lives of good deeds, they will praise not only the believer, but the believer's Father in heaven. There was a college professor who had his sociology class go to the Baltimore slums to get case studies, histories of, of 200 young boys. The students were asked to write evaluations of the boys and their futures. And in every case, the students came back and wrote, he hasn't gotten a chance. 20 years later, another sociology professor came across the earlier study he had his students follow up on the project to see what had happened to those original boys, those boys who were supposedly lost. 20 of the boys moved away or died, but of the remaining 180, 176 achieved extraordinary success as lawyers, doctors, and businessmen. The surprised professor decided to go further into research. Luckily, all the boys lived or now men, lived in an area so that he was able to ask each one of them, how do you account for your success? In each case, they all said the same thing. There was a teacher. There was a teacher. And that teacher was still alive, so the researcher sought her out. 
And he asked the elderly woman what was the secret of her success to pull these boys out of the slums, out of the darkness, out of a hopeless life into a more successful, hope-filled life. And the teacher said with a gentle smile, it's really very simple. She said, I loved those boys. I believed in them. No wonder they succeeded. Their teacher loved them and believed in them. Once there was a teacher who also loved his students. He saw possibilities in them that no one else saw in them. He saw possibilities in them that they did not see in themselves. You are the light of the world, he said to them. And so they became. The love they received from him, they passed on to others. Today, there is no place in this world that the light that they received from him doesn't shine. Because of fierce persecution, it sometimes is only a faint flicker. Sometimes, because of the weaknesses of his followers, the fire is uncertain and tentative, but it still glows. And now it is in your possession and mine. We are the light of the world. Friends, as with all gifts, there's a temptation with the, this light Jesus has given us. It would be easier to just feel the light and the love of God in this place, to bask in it, to receive it, and to find strength just for ourselves, finding welcome and comfort. But to be a disciple of Jesus... To be a disciple of Jesus, if we are to grow in this love, we have to go out into our world to spread that light. I invite you, my friends, to be people of light, following the model of Jesus, doing good work, loving the world to transformation. Amen.